All right, what is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Jay Gold on the show, the co-founder of Yashi. Thanks so much for coming on, Jay. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks so, for having me. I know we connected on Twitter recently. I was fascinated by your story. And you know, you, I know you talk about selling Yashi for $33 million, but you have quite the, the tech background. And for those who may not know who you are or what Yashi is, um, I'd love for you to give them some insight on who you are. Sure. I'm a tech entrepreneur and investor for almost 20 years. Um, Yashi was a video ad tech company. We were the first local video DSP, demand side platform. We were connected to all the different exchanges. Started off as a company called Gamers Media, uh, which was a site-specific ad network where we would go to a gaming, casual gaming site and buy advertising specifically for that website for an agency. Um, prior to that, it's my doorbell. <laughs> prior to that, we, um, it's a great thing about working at home, right? <laughs> uh, prior to that, I had, uh, one of the, one of the first social networks in the early two thousands. I sold that to MatchNet PLC. I think it's spark networks today. Okay. They own American singles.com and J date. Uh, after that, I created the first video sharing site. Uh, this is predating uh, YouTube. It was in 2004, sold it at the end of 2005 to a company in New York called bolt B O L T. Um, and we were the largest video sharing site for a little while. Then YouTube, um, surpassed us in traffic. They sold their company about six months after that happened to Google. Uh, and then we got sued by universal music. They sued us, Fox and Sony Fox owned MySpace, wow. and Sony owned grouper, which is today known as crackle. Um, so we were at the precipice, right? We were, we, yeah. we had 40 million uniques globally, uh, virally off of our site as well as on our site. Um, top top tier uh, video sharing site at the time, um, wow. but you know we got ex- we out executed um, by YouTube. That's why they surpassed us in traffic before we got sued, and then we got sued, and you know that was it. So after that, I had started a um, another social network. The idea then was, uh, you know, a lot of time, to- a lot of people at that time, um, they didn't necessarily want to be on social media, which is hard to understand or believe today yeah. for some people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought, well, if you didn't want to be on social media, we'll create a website that anybody can create your profile and edit your profile, even if you're not there. So basically, <laughs> MySpace meets Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, it was called WikiU. We had some really top tier investors. Chamath, as you may know, was uh, yep. he was at the Mayfield Fund. Raj Kapoor, who was just on my show last week, um, and he was one of the investors, founder of Snapfish. Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, wow. was an investor. Josh Kaufman at First Round Capital. I think it was right before he even started First Round Capital. <laughs> Maybe just started it at the time. It was like 2006. Uh, that didn't work out. So I had a company that was scaling. I sold it for stock. Uh, we get sued by Universal, bankrupt, no outcome, right? Filed bankruptcy. Wow. Uh, next company, best VCs you could possibly find in the Valley, the PayPal mafia guys, like everything, right? And then that failed. <laughs> so um, after that, um, was I going to get a job? No, right? So I started Yashi. Uh, it was very similar to what I was doing before. I understood online video. Um, we were dealing with ad agencies and stuff. And I just thought, let's go, let's go after that. Um, when we were at Bolt, we were also the, uh, we were the exclusive sales force for Miniclip, which was the largest casual gaming site. Um, Rob Smalls and those guys. So, so we went over, we had that. Um, and I had a lot of relationships in gaming as a result of that, RuneScape and others, and uh, just built out <laughs> an ad, ad network for that. And it kind of just adapt, evolve, pivot, and it kind of evolved into what Yashi was before we sold it. Very cool. So how did you get into technology early on? Like you talk about all these different stories. What was your first step into technology and how did you initially get into this space? Yeah, like um, when I was in high school, that's the 90s. Um, that's when the dot-com boom was kind of happening. And for okay. whatever reason, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I realized this was going to be huge. 
I found out years later, they call that like a secular growth trend where something just continuing growing for decades. And it just seemed so obvious that um, everybody was going to be using the internet and everything was going to be connected to the internet. I don't know how I was able to see that vision or understand uh-huh. that, but I, but I did. And um, I started building websites back then um, in the late nineties throughout college in the nineties. And then when I graduated college, um, I had a few things and I just kept, you know, tinkering, iterating, and just building things. So cool. When you talk about going from, you know, pivoting, going from one thing to the next to then starting Yashi, when you then sold that company, like where was your head at, right? Like you talk about and hear about all these acquisitions all the time, but as a founder that goes from starting up with this idea to all the way through acquisition, like what's your initial thoughts and what makes you decide, hey, we're going to go with this acquisition, we want to sell to this company, and then where is your head when that actually goes through and, you know, you move on with your life? <laughs> um, it's a loaded question in some ways. So, so I mean, I, where my head at, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we were, we were worth bolt, right. Bolt.com was worth hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. Right. And I owned a third of the company. So it was me, Aaron Cohen and Lou Kerner were the uh, owners of the business. And listen, you know, you, you, you're counting your chickens before they hatch, right? You're like, <laughs> Oh my God, are we worth hundreds of millions of dollars? Right? Yeah. And, uh, and then poof, it's gone. So, you know, what are you going to do? Cry over spilt milk. So I just started another company and, um, you know, the idea wasn't necessarily about the money all those other times. I was just trying to build things that a lot of people would want to use. And I thought it was really cool and interesting. And, and that's what like the, the early social networks were. I mean, I got I to gotta tell you, like in the, in the late to mid nineties, um, you know, AOL was really popular back then. And yep. even prior to that, there was like message boards and stuff. So I was always enamored and fascinated with like, I'm talking with somebody live right now in China. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought that was amazing. Um, but to me, that was just the coolest thing in the world. And I just liked the idea of connecting people all over the world and uh, being the one that's orchestrating that and like building those things. Um, and then obviously, if you get like, you know, hundreds of millions of people using something that's going to be worth a lot of money. Right? Yeah. Um, so with, with Yashi, um, that was really about the money at that point, right? Prior to that, and none of those things were. That one, ad tech, it was just so obvious. It was a block and tackle kind of thing. If I just yeah. get this many publishers and this many advertisers and it generates this much revenue, there's this much uh, earnings, the multiple of that is, you know, X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that business, um, it was never about like changing the world, right? It was like putting ads in front of people and making <laughs> money. And, uh, cause I felt like I left a lot of chips on the table after the, uh, after the failure. And I was like, I got to make up for lost ground here, you know, yeah. I screwed this up, you know? So, so Yashi was really, um, it was really in a way to orchestrate, um, wealth generation in some ways. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of why I built Yashi. Uh, to be completely honest, you know, yeah. it wasn't like I was trying to change advertising in any way. We did do some things that were kind of, you know, I think interesting around local and stuff. Um, but it was just adapt, evolve, pivot, and try to get to an exit at some point in that yeah. company. Very cool. Are you are you a te- like technical guy yourself that's developing it, or did you really focus on team and that wasn't your forte? Yeah, I'm actually not a technical guy, okay. uh, which is interesting because you don't meet many founders of tech companies that aren't programmers themselves. Yeah. Um, over the years, like I've always like, oh, maybe I should you know sit down and learn to program and stuff. And it's like I was always just building, and I was more I'm more of a product manager, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, to me, it was all about the product. It was all about the UI and the UX. You know, so I'm more about design, marketing, um, and trying to create the idea, the, the, the initial kernel of the idea is what I'm most fascinated with and then getting it to scale. But I got to be honest with you, when I was running Yashi and we got to like 60 plus employees, I had no interest in running a business with a lot of people, the personalities, <laughs> the politics, like yeah. Uh, yeah, I just didn't really enjoy that part of it. In fact, when I was, when I raised money for WikiU, I went to Reed and uh, Reed sat down. He was, it was really interesting within like 
a minute or two, he was like, I'm in. How much? I was like, wait, <laughs> my pitch was so simple too. I said, if MySpace is an autobiography, then WikiU is your unauthorized, bro- unauthorized biography. Mm. And I'll never forget, Reed goes with this. He's like, okay, tell me more. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I said, uh, I go, we're trying to build a very simple a biography of every person on the planet. We want it to be written by everybody else, the people that know him and love him. Um, and he was like, I like it. I'm in. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was like the fastest decision I've ever seen somebody make on an investment. Um, and he said, the reason I made the decision so quick is that I know you built both already previously. So I checked the box. I know you guys know how to build scalable things. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen what you did there. I like the idea. I also like the investors that are in this Raj and, and, um, and, and Chamath and them. So he was like, I know those guys, I trust them. He's like, and you know, why not? Let's just try it, you know? And he was an investor in like a hundred plus companies at that time, yeah. including Facebook and stuff and dig and all these big ones. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, at the time it was just like, you know, just, uh, just creating an idea and putting it out there and seeing kind of what happens. And, but so like, again, with Yashi though, that was not the case, right? Yashi was just purely at that point, optimization of net worth, to be honest yeah. with you. I love that. When you talk about all these different investors that were coming on board early on, how were you able to build such a plethora of an investor network, high level investors and, you know, like yeah. what was that process to get to that level? So, um, there's two ways to raise money. In my opinion, you could raise money on, um, y- y- so you're basically either selling a story or you have traction. Right. And, um, so with WikiU, I didn't have traction, but, um, I had a background. I had, I had prior experience. So that's why it was easier for me there. Prior to that, it was very difficult. Like I meet founders all the time. I'm an investor in like almost a hundred companies. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, who's the team? Do they have traction? And what's the TAM, the total addressable market size? Those are the first things I look at. Then you dive into the business and you really start to dissect on the product and stuff, you know, and seeing if it really has anything here, particularly if it has traction, like what kind of traction is it? Let's literally really go under under the hood here and and try to say, you know, so early on for me, it was very difficult just like everybody else to raise money because who am I, you know, but I got lucky in some ways you get a little, sometimes there's a little luck in life, right? I always say there's opportunities, right? We all have equal opportunities. It's about making the right choices from there, right? Once you have the same opportunities, you got to make the right choices, make the bad choices, you go down the wrong road, right? Then adapt, evolve, right? And if, if you've made the wrong decision, keep going. Um, and then there's a little bit of luck, right? And so when I had the video sharing site, I think I got lucky. Like nobody was letting anybody upload a video and take an embed code and put it somewhere else. I was the first person on the internet to do that at scale. And so I did it. It scaled. I had millions of users, like a few million users merged it in with bolt. And we grew it from like, you know, five to 10 million users to 20, 30, 40 million. And just was, it was massively viral. Right. Um, you, you, you upload it as you know how it works. I didn't say this, but I might as well. You, you take the video, you upload it to a site and I give you an embed code. You put it somewhere else on a blog or something and then it's clickable back and then people say, oh, I should do that too. And it just was like the viral coefficiency yeah. was way greater than one. It grew very rapidly. So there's a little bit of luck there. It wasn't like I sat down like evil genius, like, oh, I know I'm going to have, you know, it just kind of happened and it exploded, yeah. right? And then that kind of put me on the map. And then it's like parlaying, right? Like, you know, so that, that, that success led to another success, which led to me investing in lots of companies. I've done well as an angel investor. So yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of luck. You got to get like that spark and then you have to run with it. Yeah. I love that. So you said you're an angel investor yourself, invested in over a hundred companies. When did you start doing that? And can you name some of the companies that you're involved with? Sure. Um, one of the companies I'm really proud of and I work very closely with, it's an earlier investment now, um, is a company called Rumby, uh, R-U-M-B-Y. Um, the guy, the founder is this guy, Ben, Ben Canty, uh, great guy, sold his last company for like 28 million. Uh, so he's got like that, he's got that background we talk about, you know, yep. um, and, uh, basically it's Uber for dry cleaning. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, they're, they're, they're scaling, uh, really well. 
you know, when I, when I invested though, it was like nothing and like $500 a month in revenue or something like that. <laughs> and uh, last month it did like 65,000. It'll probably do 80,000 this dollar at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're killing it, you know? Um, so, you know, I did buffer. You probably heard of the buffer app, uh, Joel, uh, in Leo. Right. So, so I invested in that back in like 2011, I guess I started angel investing in like 2010, like about a decade ago. Yep. And just slowly, like every year I add a few companies to the portfolio. Um, we do it under an entity that we have my wife and I, and, uh, and we've, you know, we've, we've invested in a lot of companies. Like we've gotten to things uh, early stage, like I'm describing. We also got into things that were later stage. I got into Facebook in 2010. It was $6 a share. Um, and you see the price today. Um, that, that did really well. Got into Snapchat before it went public. Um, got into SpaceX. Um, we did Open Door. That was a pheno- that's been a phenomenal return. Still holding it. Haven't yeah. sold it. It's public. It's $15 billion. I don't even know where it's at today, but, you know, 10, 10, 10 plus billion dollars. Um, we got in, it was like single digit millions, you know? Um, so some of them are through single purpose vehicles. People invite you into a deal. You join in with them and there's a group of investors. Other times it's, you buy the shares directly. I'm negotiating right now to get into, I won't say the name of an app, but it's a very popular app that a lot of people use. Um, and I think it'll do phenomenally well. So I'll do mid stage, early stage and late stage. Yep. I love that. So where do you spend most of your time now? Is it angel investing? Honestly, I spend most of my time right here at my house. This is my downstairs <laughs> in my, my, in my, uh, <laughs> in yeah. my bar. Um, but yeah, I, I, just my kids, my, my wife and kids, soccer practice. Um, angel investing doesn't take a lot of time. You get a deal presented to you. You take a look, you dive in, you do some diligence, you decide to make an investment or not. You write the check, you don't write the check. It's pretty simple, pretty oh. passive in many ways. Um, actively pursuing it because um, I'm always looking for deal flow. Um, and I'm, I'm podcasting now. So I started a YouTube channel and interviewing, um, some notable people that I call docents. Uh, docents are people that inspire, influence, and guide others, as I say. And, uh, so I bring those people on to kind of tell their story as to what motivated them and that kind of thing. So that's just like a passion project. I I want to write a book on it. Um, something I always wanted to do is just write a book. So, uh, I try, I try to find things that interest me and just, just focus on the stuff that's interesting. I want to bring that up too, because I know I checked out your content. It's phenomenal. What inspired you to really Thanks. start the podcast and start doing these interviews outside of, you know, you talked about writing a book and you have all these relationships. Like what prompted you to get started with it? And when did you? My wife. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to, I, I had a podcast 10 years ago, Casey. I, I interviewed um, wow. tech founders, right? So I had like Sean Rad from Tinder before he did Tinder. He yep. was in the ad tech space like I was, Adly, ad.ly. Um, Raj Kapoor, I just mentioned. Um, Russ Fraden, um, James Hong, friend of mine, started hot or not. Like I, I had a lot of these guys. It was like 75 of them. And I, I just, all I did was, uh, I, I just did a, a Skype call and recorded it with Ecamm and, and it was yeah. just a split screen, no editing, none of that crap. You know, it was just like, whatever. It was just, and the reason I did that is my last, my, my company bolt was in New York city. And then when I started, uh, gamers media, which became Yashi, um, I came back down to the Jersey shore where I grew up and, uh, started it down here in, in this area. And, you know, so I wasn't in the mix in the city anymore. And when we were bolt, like everybody would just stop by people would like email us like, Hey, I'm going to be in uh, New York city next week. You, you guys been around. Can I stop by for 20 minutes? We'd hang out with people like, you know, Mark Pincus and stuff from Zynga before Zynga yeah. was around. He had tribe.net and like all those kind of guys, they would just stop in the office for like an hour or so, you know, that wasn't happening on a Jersey shore. People aren't going to fly in Newark or JFK, go to the city and then like shoot down on the Jersey shore. You know? yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, let me start a podcast, you know? So I did that for a little while, maybe like six months to a year. And uh, then I stopped doing it to focus on my company, kept focusing on the company, grew the company, sold the company. And my wife was like, dude, you need to do something. Cause I was like doing nothing. I'm hanging around my house, annoying her. And she's like, go do that podcast again. And I'm like, Ugh. 
And, uh, you know, the reason why I stopped it last time is uh, I didn't, I liked doing this. I like having the conversation with people. It's fun, yeah. right? Um, it's enjoy, enjoyable. Um, but I didn't like doing the editing. I didn't like doing uh, the outreach to find people. I just didn't like all the other post-production and pre-production crap, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this time I made money. I, I hired a team. So I have a team that does all my editing, which you can see the editing looks pretty good on the show. I think yep. um, they've done a pretty good job, you know? So so, you know, a friend of mine is this guy, Jason Williams. Uh, he's partners with Pomp at uh, Morgan Creek. Yep. And um, he did one last summer and he was, his was interesting. He was interviewing people and the people he was interviewing, he was basically doing diligence on them. They were like in the crypto <laughs> space, right? Yeah. So it was just like, he's doing a live interview, which is a live diligence call, right? And everybody yeah. got to see it. He said the same thing as me though. He's like, I, I just didn't do a good job at the editing and stuff, you know? I love that. Um, so I realized if I want to do this, I want to stick with it. I probably got to hire a team, which is what I did. I love that. When you, um, I, since I started following you on Twitter, you talk about crypto a lot. So when did you get involved with cryptocurrency and what's your overall thesis on crypto? Uh, yeah. So I, I bought Bitcoin in 2016, um, and been buying it ever since. Um, so I guess, what is that? Like, you know, five plus years, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, my overall thesis on it is that, um, Bitcoin is sound money. Right. And so yep. it is the only real credible scarce asset on the planet. Right. We know exactly how many, how many they're ever going to create 21 million ever. There's like 18 and a half million. Now a few million are thought to be lost forever. The keys. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a complete scarcity play, right? Yeah. Supply and demand and scarcity. And, um, you know, in a world in which they're printing money the way they are and creating inflation the way they are, I mean, you got to protect your money to inflation. If you're, if you're sitting in cash, you, you got a real problem. You know, there's a yeah. lot of volatility in it. So you got to be able to withstand the volatility, but there's never been anybody that's been down after three and a half years, four years in crypto. So or yeah. I should say Bitcoin, you said yeah. crypto. <laughs> I don't believe in crypto. Just to be clear. I don't believe in any of these altcoins. Um, you know, they're centralized in many ways. They're yeah. not completely decentralized. So the only thing that's truly decentralized is Bitcoin. So I always encourage people, if you're going to get into it, I'd buy Bitcoin. Don't have a unit bias. Don't look at the price of a Bitcoin. Think about it and how much dollars you wanted to invest in and what your percentage gains will be over time. Yep. I know you have a technology background, but I want to ask you, if you were 21 years old again today, looking at the landscape of technology, where would you potentially spend your time or what problems do you think need to be solved where people could actually, you know, fill the gap? That's a good question. Um, I always ask myself that because I'm like looking at investments all the time and yeah. like, it looks like audio is going to be pretty big, right? Like Clubhouse is a very popular app. I'm on there quite a bit. Yep. Um, I think the podcasting thing is really interesting. I, I would have never guessed that Joe Rogan would sell the rights to some of his show <laughs> for a hundred million plus. I mean, yeah. nobody really knows what he got, you know? Um, so I think audio, it's like, we're actually going backwards in time in some ways, right? We're going back to like the radio days, which is very surprising. Um, so I, I, I could see audio being really popular. Uh, think about this for a second. How about a world in which you go on um, your, your Alexa and you say, Alexa, um, you know, give me, give me a give me the local, whatever, sushi restaurants or something. And they give you one restaurant, right? Whereas typically you'd go and you'd search and they would show you all the, the, the top listings, which your sponsor, that's how they make their yeah. money for, at Google. And then they show you all the rest of the results and you can like peruse through it. Right. So I don't know how it's going to affect some companies like Google, I think in a big dramatic way, because they're going to give you one result. They can't be like, here's 20 results. And the first four are paid. Like they're not going to yeah. do that. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity around audio, I think in the next five years. I love that. So, so you said you've been using Clubhouse a lot recently? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Now, I got on there back in September. I used it for like hardcore for the first like two, three months. And then personally, I haven't used it as much in the last yeah. two months or so. How are you using the app? Is it mainly listening? Do you do your own rooms or 
What's your thought? Yeah. I created the club digital gold on there, yeah. um, which is about Bitcoin. And so we'll just create, we'll spin up rooms and, uh, and I sit on there and I just talk about Bitcoin with people, but we also talk about stuff that has nothing to do with that. We also have a room called the unsafe room, um, where at night we'll just bullshit people yeah. drink beers and stuff. And <laughs> so it's like very relationship driven. It really reminds me of those early days in the nineties when you were sitting in like the chat rooms on AOL, yeah. except you're talking. Um, I like it because unlike text, right? With the audio, you can hear the tone. You can, you can really read people if they're bullshitting you, right? Like you can, yeah. you can hear it. You can sense it. Um, I think it's really interesting. It reminds me of like being at a conference when you're on a stage, um, except you can bring people up and you can ask some questions or you can dialogue with people. The rooms that I usually host and, um, and moderate, we don't usually do the Q and A. You probably saw a lot of them do this like question yeah. and answer because they don't, they don't know what to talk about. I go on stage and I bring up people that we could just sit there and have a dialogue. Yep. And um, these are top Bitcoiners that have been around the space for longer than me, even like real OGs, 10 years in some cases, six, seven, eight years, you know? Um, and we talk about Bitcoin and we talk about price movement and we talk about a variety of things like Casa and whatever, right? And people can listen. So you have an audience of like 500 to 2000 people just kind of listening to us, leading experts that I'm talking to. I don't consider myself a leading expert, but I love talking to these guys yep. like Jimmy Song, who's written like five books on Bitcoin. Like, it's just amazing to have conversations with them. Max Kaiser, um, you name it. Right. So to me, that's really fun. I love that. Do you say like, when it comes to social media usage, um, where do you spend most of your time when it comes to like on your phone? I always like to ask people this because you can really get to see like, you know, we're a high optimized human spending time on their phone. Mm -hmm. And why is it clubhouse? Is it Twitter? Like how do you typically go about that when it comes to social media? I jokingly tell the guys on clubhouse, go on your phone and go into screen time and tell yep. me who your number one app is. And it's for all of us, it's, it's, it's clubhouse. And, yep. uh, Honestly, bro, it's like five plus hours a day sitting on Clubhouse. I'll be doing other things too, like, you know, while yeah. I'm doing that. Like I'm, a lot of times it's just like I'm listening in the background. Um, but you know, when I look at like my usage on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, that's been declining quite a bit over the last six months. And my usage on uh, Clubhouse has gone up quite a bit, you know? Love that. Uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up here, Jay. When you, if you were to give not only yourself, but young entrepreneurs advice when starting a company today, what would that advice be and why? The only thing is like, you, you, they always say you follow your passion. As you can see with Yashi, I didn't really follow my passion there. So I don't really necessarily subscribe to the follow your passion always. You know, it's probably the best thing to do, but it's not necessary, right? Whatever you're going to do, be linearly focused on it 100% relentlessly. Like all of your waking time and hours should be spent on what you're doing. That's how you're going to be a winner at it, right? If you want to be the best, you have to put in more than everybody else. The word extraordinary is extraordinary, right? So if you want to be extraordinary, you better be extraordinary. You can't be like all your friends going and watching TV at six o'clock at night, like American Idol with your girlfriend or this. You're never going to get there, man. Yeah. Like nobody else is doing that. That's a top player. Like when I got to meet with Reed and he introduced me to people like his friends, like Max Levchin, all these guys. I remember one time Max Levchin was like text, uh, texting back and forth with me. It was like, um, it, it was like uh, New Year's Eve. And I saw him online, you know, he was like, he's on the buddy list. And I'm like, I go, Oh my God. I go, are you working right now? And it was like 10 PM Eastern time. And he's on the West coast. Yeah. I go, you're probably going home later. Right. And he's like, no, man, we're all here. He sends me back a photo. Like the whole floor is filled. I mean, wow. it's infectious, right? If the founder yeah. is that passionate and he's like into it and, and, and putting it all in, he's a hundred miles an hour on it. The people around you, it's infectious, right? They'll be like that too. It's the only way to win. Yeah. I love that. Did, early on, was that an innate trait inside of you or was that learned through mentors and people in your life? It was innate. Um, I, nobody taught me to be like that. My yeah. parents weren't like that. People that I know around me weren't like that. In fact, you get weird looks. Um, <laughs> the loneliness of excellence is what I say on my podcast when I talk to people about this. 
late nights, early mornings, um, neglecting your friends and family or your wife or spouse, like all this stuff. Like, it, you know, it's, it's almost a disease, Casey, in some ways, right? People like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and all the top, top guys, they are completely relentless and obsessive about their craft, right? Like at the end of the day, it's the only way you're going to win. I say this all the time. You have to be resilient and you have to be relentless. I love that. When it comes to mentors or, or spending time educating yourself books, do you have any, I would say, materials, books, podcasts that you listen to that you would like to, you know, put people onto? Um, I like the Joe Rogan podcast, to be honest with you. I think it's great because he has a, a breadth of different types of people and personalities from different industries and stuff. And I'm trying to do the same thing and emulate that in some ways with my podcast. I like having not just tech people like I did 10 years ago. I'm bringing athletes on. Um, authors, et cetera. Right. Um, so for me, you know, I, I like, I like, I like Joe for that reason. Um, the book relentless, like I was saying relentless yeah. um, by Tim Grover, right. You yeah. should, everybody should, everybody should read that book. It's a great book. It kind of gives you the mindset because it's all in the mind, man. If the first step is believing in yourself, I know it sounds corny, but so many people actually don't believe in themselves. They really don't. Right. If you're like a great athlete and you're like, Oh, I would love to go to the pros someday. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> to get to the pros. I interviewed CJ Wilson, professional baseball player, two-time all-star. Um, he wasn't even all state in high school, right? But he went to a junior college and he like slowly incrementally you know, refined his craft and worked hard and threw millions of pitches in his life, right? That's how he got to where he's at. I just interviewed Al Leiter yesterday. Same thing with him and his brothers. His brother, Mark went pro. His other brother, Kurt went pro. He went pro. His son's going to go pro. His nephew wow. went pro. I'm like, is it genetics? <laughs> or is it something else? And he's like, it's a little bit of both, but it's mostly about the hard work, right? They're putting in the work more than anybody else. So I would just encourage people, um, you know, try to find entrepreneurs. Um, if you read, read autobiographies of like your favorite entrepreneurs and stuff or yep. biographies of your, of your favorite entrepreneurs, that, that's, that's probably what they should do. Love that. Well, Jay, last thing before we wrap up, I want to say, where's the best place for everyone to listen to your podcast, stay in touch with you and just be in your community? Uh, sure. Like you just follow me on Twitter. Um, it's just at Jay Gould. Um, and all my socials are the same. Uh, YouTube it's at J A S O N D Gould. Um, I couldn't get Jay Gould for that one for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, but you can just Google my name and like, you know, I don't know, like you try to find me there. Um, there's, you can find me on the web. I don't have a blog or anything like that. So yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on to uh, the show today. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing by the